Today, December 1st, is World AIDS Day. And for all that we've known and all the coverage of the media, probably for 40-plus years about HIV and AIDS, a lot has evolved over time. You can live a productive, healthy, vibrant life and be HIV positive, but there obviously are a lot of roadblocks and a lot of hurdles that it took to get to that particular point. That's in the medical industry, and that is as well with not stigmatizing the disease, but letting people know who are in the greatest risk groups what to watch out for and who should be more careful than others. I'm not sure we did the best job of that out of the gate with COVID-19, even once we learned all about it. But we got there with HIV and AIDS. Dr. Isaac Bogush, I trust immensely, passionate on this on this uh, subject, and we had a conversation about it on Toronto Today. Where this is a crawl, right? It's not a sprint to get people to understand all the things we need to do better about HIV and AIDS. That's exactly correct. Pardon my voice. I feel great, sound terrible, <laughs> but I, Greg, I really thank you for bringing this up on World AIDS Day. I mean, let's just remember that this has been a significant global health uh, issue for 40 years, and it still impacts 38 million people on the planet with about 1.5 million new infections per year. And as you point out, it's a crawl. We're getting there, but we still have a long way to go. There's so much to be proud of in terms of the uh, trajectory of HIV globally. But, but as you point out, we've got lots of work ahead. Stigma, stigma, stigma. It's awful. It's impeding progress. It's impeding people getting care. It's impeding people talking about it publicly. And it's really slowing. <clears throat> pardon me. It's really slowing down uh, the tremendous scientific progress that's been made. The goal really here is to implement that scientific progress, not just here in Canada, but of course, globally to get this under control. This is something that we can get to zero if we really have the political will to do so. And I think we, we really, we moved, it, we moved slowly from the stigmatization around it. We talked about it as a gay disease and we never should have done that. But we also, as I make the point, really shouldn't have de-emphasized the danger that it was um, to the gay, to the gay male community. It was a very dangerous thing for intravenous drug users. I, I'm angry that we stigmatize those people, but I'm also angry that it looked like th that was pushed out there that, hey, anybody could get it at any time. And, and it, it made a lot of people really, really fearful about intimacy. Like anything else, you just have to be honest with the data and you have to be honest with the, with the epidemiology. If we're talking North American settings, absolutely. We know certain communities are disproportionately impacted by HIV. We know the men who have sex with men community, people who use injection drugs certainly are. We also know there's uh, people at greater risk, commercial uh, people who are sex workers, for mm -hmm. example, are at greatest risk. We know even in Canada, of course, you can't make broad statements for 8 billion people on the planet. We certainly have indigenous communities and, and uh, Afro-Caribbean communities that are at disproportionate risk as well. And, and again, as you point out, if we are honest with the data, but of course, you know, speaking about this data in an honest manner, but not in a stigmatizing manner, not in a moralizing manner, but just in an honest manner, we can do a lot of good. We inform people about what the risks are. We can uh, shuttle what I would say still limited resources towards uh, uh, communities that will uh, preferentially and disproportionately be benefited from those resources that will benefit from those resources to really quell this. I mean, listen, we, we're still there's still 2,000 new cases per year mm -hmm. in Canada. You know, there's still about 60, 65,000 people 
in Canada living with HIV, keyword living with HIV, because the drugs are so good and the programs are so good that we just have fewer and fewer people dying from HIV. But of course, if we want to get to zero, if we want to quell this, we have to destigmatize this. We have to continue to double down. We have to double down on our efforts to get treatment programs, screening programs, uh, care programs. We have to work with communities that are disproportionately impacted by this. And as you also point out, I completely agree. A lot of similar lessons with HIV and, uh, and of course, with, with many, what many people saw um, with COVID-19. What should someone in Toronto listening who says, I, I could be HIV positive or I, I am HIV positive, what are the first things they should do to take care of themselves the best? Number one is go get care. Okay. It is not, I, I've got to be careful with how I frame this, but there are a lot of providers mm-hmm. in Toronto that are savvy and skilled in caring for people with HIV. So the first thing is, okay, the first step is crossing the boundary to say, you know what, I need to get a test or I need to get integrated with care. And again, if you go to any walk-in clinic or primary care clinic or public health clinic, they might not be the ones that will do it, but they'll at least point you in the direction of someone that can. The drugs, no one, the, no one will have to pay for medications. And again, it's important to recognize people with HIV in 2022, soon to be 2023, if you're lucky enough to live in Canada, you can live a long, healthy, happy, normal life with a normal life expectancy. If you go on the medications, which are literally one pill once a day, you will not, and you, you, you suppress your virus, you will not transmit the virus to other people. It's, I was going to say the word miraculous. It's not mm-hmm. miraculous, it's science, and it works. And, uh, and again, we really have to get everybody who's at risk, tested, and integrated in the care program. The other thing I know I'm going on and on, but it's really important, there might be people that aren't HIV positive, but are at risk for HIV. And we have tools to give people a pill a day, and they're just not going to get HIV despite their risk and despite their exposure. Mm-hmm. So we've come a long way. I know you've only got a minute, so do I. Um, the, the concept of did you start to see lessons that we really should have learned earlier with how we covered HIV and AIDS? Did you see lessons during the past two and a half years with the pandemic? A lot of the blame and shame, a lot of the stigma, a lot of the, oh, I I behaved badly and I got it. Like, oh, my goodness. I saw lots of that. I'm sure you did as well. Enough with the more. So a couple of things. One is the moralization and the stigmatization, which was awful, which, again, prevented people from getting care for or diagnostics for for COVID-19 and then recognizing that certain communities were at greater risk are with, with, with COVID, our lower, some lower income neighborhoods, mm-hmm. racialized neighborhoods, were getting pounded by COVID. Uh, and again, we all were impacted, but in those communities much more. And again, I'm not patting anyone on the back, but during the vaccine distribution, remember there was a period of time where 50% of the provincial vaccines were allocated to those high risk, higher risk communities because they were, because that was really the way to do it. And that was, you know, we were providing better protection for people who are at greater risk. So I think we saw some lessons learned, but I think um, sadly we have to continue to learn these time and time again. Well, I hope we'll talk for a a few more December 1st to come. um, And it shouldn't be just a one day conversation. And for you, it's not. For me, it's not either. Thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure. Have a great day. Dr. Isaac Bogosh uh, joining us today.